really the restructuring allowed us to do is accelerate our strategy. We had a three-year plan to fix this business, and we were able to do that in three months. And that's the greatest part about going into restructuring is we were able to right-size the business. We were able to remove our stores that were in malls. The consumer trends have been changing, and the visits and the traffic to the malls have been declining. And so this allowed us to really right-size that business but also then maintain what we want to do, which is we are investing in our digital channels. We are still creating an amazing, great quality product, and we are just making a better consumer experience in the stories that we have left. Welcome to episode 21 of Clicks to Bricks, the podcast about multi-location marketing. I'm your host, Rob Reed. Our guest today is Ryan Ostrom. He is the Chief Brand Officer for GNC, the global manufacturer, distributor, and retailer of nutritional supplements. We talk about the company's emergence from Chapter 11, how the COVID pandemic has given the brand new relevance, and how brick and mortar stores are so vital to the brand and the customer experience. Ryan Ostrom, thanks so much for joining us on Clicks to Bricks. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Where are you calling in from, Ryan? Uh, good old uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Nice. It must have been uh, a pretty crazy few months leading up to the election there, huh? It has been, and and more so as this time of year, we got our first snow really yesterday, so it's it's starting to be winter here. Nice. Same same here. I'm in Park City, Utah, so we, we've had the same kind of early winter. Let's start out with a fun fact about Ryan Ostrom that most may not know. Yeah, I, uh, I spent uh, some time actually writing and producing country music in my life. So I have this little hidden talent of writing country music, didn't make any money at it. But uh, occasionally I do still pick up my guitar and, and play a few songs. So, so do, do you have like a whole album's worth if you, if you actually I, wanted to put it together? I do. I had a, I had a, even a demo CD at one point in my life, and I, I had that whole, maybe I should move to Nashville thought, and then I was like, I kind of like business a little better. Nice. I've, I've heard that from a number of marketers with music backgrounds, so I think it is very compatible with marketing. Well, it is because it's about telling a story, and that's what marketing is all about. It's about being able to tell a story and, and uh, as concise as you can, and so a song has to be done in a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, so marketing is certainly a good backup anyway. <laughs> yep. Let's talk about GNC. Let's get uncomfortable stuff out of the way. You know, the, the company filed for bankruptcy back in June. Kind of get us up to speed on that so we can just kind of put it behind us. Yeah, we've emerged from bankruptcy. We're very excited about it. So a partner of ours that's that's been part of GNC for a few years now, Harbin Pharmaceuticals, bought us. And we're really excited because... They bought us because of our quality, the great product that we produce, and it's really trend-worthy right now about health and being healthy, and, and that's what we provide our consumers on a daily basis. What was the biggest thing kind of forcing the company into bankruptcy? Was it COVID, the crisis, the lockdown? Did that kind of push it over the edge? There's a few aspects. I mean, we, we did have a, a balance sheet that carried a lot of debt. We did not have operational issues. It was mainly a balance sheet issue. But once we got into COVID, it kind of pushed us over edge a little bit. But at the same time, what really the restructuring allowed us to do is accelerate our strategy. We had a three-year plan to fix this business, and we were able to do that in three months. Kind of going into restructuring is we were able to right-size the business. We were able to remove our stores 
that were in malls. The consumer trends have been changing and, and the visits and the traffic to the malls have been declining. And so this allowed us to really right size that business and, and but also then maintain what we want to do, which is we are investing in our digital channels. We are still creating an amazing, great quality product. And we are just making a better consumer experience in the stories that we have left. Yeah, well, I mean, I, unless you're holding debt, bankruptcy restructuring can actually be a really good thing. Yeah. So it sounds like you're seeing some a lot of positives from that. And how are those positives impacting your marketing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all positives. You know, like I said, being able not to have to change our strategy, our strategy was right. I mean, we the leadership team we had here, we had a good plan, and the plan is maintaining. And I think. What we are doing now is just being really focused on what we talk about and how we be really relevant with our marketing. And that's really the only change is we have a lot more messaging around immunity. We have a lot more communication about how to build that best defense in a COVID world. And I think that's really the only thing that's really changed through all of this is just what we've kind of focused on a little bit um, on our marketing. But everything else, our quality, the accessibility of our brand is, is still strong. So what's the number of stores that are actually closing? Yeah, we, we've closed uh, over a little over a thousand stores, so about 20% of our business. And like I said, majority of those were in mall locations. And, and that's a consumer trend. And that was always in our plan. I've always said it's, it's easier to market I and mean, bring people to your business when they're in the right location and they're in the right place. And, and as, as a retailer, we had some opportunity in that space. And that's uh, what this restructuring allowed us to do. Do you have kind of like a marketing playbook for closing stores and maybe trying to harvest those customers, either direct them to another store or take them over to digital channels? You know, yeah, we have a really strong playbook. We've developed that over the past year of how we transfer consumers to our local GNC or of just notifying where we have other GNC products available through some of our wholesale partnerships. We are very fortunate that we have strong brands like Mega Man, Amp, Totaline, and Beyond Raw that have huge consumer love and, and brand love. And, and so those consumers are willing to drive a little extra further or go a little bit out of their way to purchase our brand. And then also we have such a strong loyalty program. I mean, close to 80% of our consumers are part of our loyalty program. So we're able to communicate with them, engage with them, and really get them to the right place to buy our product. So then you'd say that playbook is sounds like it's mostly your owned channels right. that you're using, huh? It's a little bit of both. I mean, it's our own channels, but then also we do a lot of retargeting. We do a lot of leveraging the digital channels to say, how do we make sure we get in front of that, you know, that we like to call that point of sweat where people are about to go work out and they want to get, some, <laughs> uh, you know, they want to get our products. They want to get our supplements and, and we're able to get at that point and target these individuals. And it's not just a one-off execution. I mean, we all know as you start transferring customers from one store to another or changing their habits, it's an ongoing process that goes on for weeks, months, and even years. And so we have a plan that we're set against to kind of target our consumers to make sure that they get our amazing quality product when they want it. The first moment of sweat. I like, <laughs> I like that. That's definitely a different lens yep. for a brand. Let's actually talk about the the GNC brand then. You know, your title is chief brand officer as opposed yeah. to chief marketing officer. So does this signal a greater emphasis on the brand and how you prioritize your efforts? I mean, that was very strategic in the conversations when I first joined the company. And that is because we are looking at these brands sort of AMP, Mega Man, Totaline, um, Beyond Raw as brands. And originally they were private labels. And 
sometimes when you don't think about the consumer first, you don't think about the brand, where the extensions of the brands, where each brand plays, that is how we're approaching them today. And so we're thinking about our individual brands and even as the brand is the retailer, how we develop GNC to make sure we provide the best solutions for our consumers. And, and that's really the change that we're really going at moving forward in, in 2021. So yeah, so it sounds like you're then working with a broad portfolio of brands that you're overseeing. Is most of that distribution through GNC channels or is there uh, is there like an Amazon channel and, and other channels or are you guys kind of keeping it all to yourselves? This is a, a fun business because our distribution is, yes, we have our amazing franchisees and we have our own corporate stores. You know, we have 2,500, 3,000 stores that we sell through, but we also are developing wholesale partnerships. And so we are available at Dick's Sporting Goods. We are available at Rite Aid. We have rolled out into Wawa, into convenience. And you will start seeing us expand the accessibility of the GNC brand strategically in various channels. And that is a very large growth opportunity for us because we all know in the world, even, even before and now in a COVID world, People don't want to jump to a lot of stores. They want to kind of get in, they want to get out, and they want to get their products. So we have to be accessible to our consumers as, as much as possible. And that also means online. And so we do have a, a strong brand store on Amazon, and we have a good relationship with them as well. And we also play that between our own e-com at the same time. So we're just trying to make sure that it's easy and accessible for our consumers, no matter where they want to shop uh, the GNC brand. And I also think that's the the reason why, you know, we go back to the chief brand officer is we are managing these brands by channels now. And so how do which brands show up in what channel, which products show up in which channel, and how we really manage the overlap between our various distribution points. And, you know, we've, you know, we're developing a brand team for the first time within the organization. That was, that is something new over the last year where we are bringing in real CPG experts and brand uh, individuals to really say, how do we manage these brands appropriately and expand them not only in the U.S., but uh, global as well? Wow, it sounds like you have a lot on your plate. Yes, it, it, it keeps me busy. It is fun, though. It's it's kind of like, you know, dealing with a Rubik's Cube a little bit of just trying to figure out where all the pieces fit and and making sure that we have the best strategy going forward. So what what in terms of marketing and, and channels and strategies, you know, what's working with, you know, so many different things to deal with, with third parties, your own stores, your own online, third party online. Are, are there some consistencies across all of those for you in terms of strategy and channels? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're all about making sure that we provide the best quality and the most relevant product. And we do a lot of consumer research and understanding which consumers shop and what channels and what products target those consumers. And it's just like any business. You know, I think what's unique about our world versus other companies now is uh, the pandemic made us more relevant than ever. It's about everyday defense. It's about building your immunity system. It is about, you know, we're all more stressed. We are going through different things we've never gone through. We have solutions for stress and anxiety, sleep. And right now, all that is more relevant than ever because, you know, our world has been turned upside down on a daily basis. And we provide the need and the solutions to solve some of those. And so that's that's the interesting thing about this role right now is not many companies have had a relevance, a resurgence overnight at this scale. And it's it's been uh, really fun to kind of navigate. Yeah, I've I've seen that COVID is has kind of had the the haves and the have nots. Nobody's doing just kind of like okay through yep. COVID. It seems like, you know, huge success if you're like fast casual 
format and you had a, a mobile app in place and e-commerce and curbside all set up like or or dominoes you know just absolutely crushing yep. and then other companies so it yep. sounds like you're 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 falling into the into the halves despite you know having to go through chapter 11 huh yeah and and like i said our, we are i mean we're we're more relevant than ever we have opportunities to be more easier to talk about you know, Bopis, we are rolling out uh, by online pickup in store now where we uh, have shipped from store, which has helped us tap into our store uh, assortment a lot easier. So even when stores were closed in certain areas because of the pandemic, we were able to still fulfill consumers' needs. And you're going to see us continue to evolve in that digital space, which is, you know, enhanced uh, e-commerce experience, enhanced mobile experiences, and try to get to that, you know, how do we get at that point of sweat, which is how fast can I get product to our consumers? Uh, through other channels outside of visiting the store. And then when it comes to the loyalty program, that is that really just when they're shopping online or through retails, your your retailers, that's kind of where the loyalty program exists? Yeah, we, we have a two-tier loyalty program. We have, of course, our free program, which a lot of retailers have, but we also have a pro program that has extensive benefits from you get early access to innovation, you get higher discounts within our products, and you just get better access to the brand. And that is actually a paid program. And so we have a we have a strong commitment of our consumers part of that program, and that's going to continue to be something we really focus on: is how do we really develop that pro experience to the next level? What's the current mix right now between corporate stores and franchisees? We're close to about sixty six percent corporate and thirty three percent franchise right now. It used to be more. Majority of our clothes stores that we did uh, move away from were were corporate stores. Right. And okay. So you know. You know, and our franchisees are amazing. I think they're performing so well right now is because, you know, they really know the community. They know their local towns. They know where they're at. And, and the relationships they build with their consumers are, you know, they're, they're best in class. And so they're able to really build that relationship locally that I think we need to adapt from a, a corporate side as well. Is that a big part of your role and your team's role is, is kind of franchisee relations and, you know, making sure that they feel like, you know, their marketing dollars are being well spent. With any franchise org, that is that is a top priority is saying, where where's the money going? What are we investing in? And how are we doing things different? I mean, I just had a franchise call yesterday and we, we you know, we're rolling out our new brand Unbreakable with Jay Glazer from NFL and Fox. And, you know, his we're developing a brand that has amazing purpose right now because it's about MVP and helping military vets, helping them balance the gray zone is what we kind of call them is the challenges they've gone through from being in the military. And it is an amazing product line. And we had a call with our franchisees yesterday with Jay Glazer and announcing the brand and talking through how we got to where we're at. And that rolls out uh, 12-1. So the 1st of December and, and the excitement and the communication and the feedback we got right after is amazing because this is a brand with a purpose we're rolling out for the first time in a while. And, and we're really excited about what we're doing in that space. How does the marketing responsibility get divided between corporate and the franchisees? Is there anything that the franchisees are are expected to do in terms of investment? Are they going out into the community sponsoring, you know, the baseball teams or doing things like that on their own? Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that kind of dwindled a little bit during COVID is how you actually physically get into the events and partner. But that sure. is a key aspect of our business moving forward which is how do you locally participate with the teams and the community and really be relevant in that neighborhood and, and make an impact in that neighborhood. 
And so as we develop programs, we develop ways for them to engage. That is, that's on top of mind. And, and that's where I think they do a great job because if we kind of, as, as the pandemic has opened up and our, our foot traffic has increased, our franchisees have done an amazing job in their business. And so are the, are the corporate stores, the managers there also expected to be locally engaged? Yes. I mean, that's, same at thing. the end of the day, that's our business. I mean, we're, we, we have a lot of relationships with local gyms. We have relationships with local clubs. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's something that is, we saw the pandemic shut a lot of those things down. We've seen somewhat of the impact. And so as things have opened up, hopefully they stay open up for a while uh, with everything <laughs> yeah. kind of going on. We never know. It's like we're going in the wrong direction thing. right now. Yeah. But, you know, we, we see that there's a there's a need to do that. And so as we start continuing to build that relationship, we are making sure we have programs that go across corporate and franchisees and taking a lot of the lessons where franchisees do it better than we do in our corporate stores. And so our store managers are responsible. Are, are the local representatives empowered to use digital channels on their own, like use their own Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram? So they have those freedoms and, and you kind of encourage that? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's social, social, and so if you try to you try to manage social, you're you're going to fail as a marketer. And my my job is to to develop the products and and create the content and and create the excitement that they want to talk about on their own social channels and engage with their friends and talk to people in their community. So we're not going to hinder that at all. It's about giving them the assets and the tools and also the excitement. And I think I just talked about the calls we had. We had a call with our franchise base. We had a call with our entire associate base yesterday as well. We had all our store managers on there. We had all our associates and we had Jay Glazer talking to them for over an hour, just talking about why he created this brand, why we created this product. And it really hit home where they received 10 to 15 messages from the various store associates saying, I love this brand. I love where you're going. Thank you for partnering with GNC to bring this to life. And you know, you're helping veterans. And and we have a lot of veterans in, in, in our organization because we really want to support within our business moving forward. And, and we just think there's opportunity there. Yeah, because I, I, I talked to some CMOs about this question of, you know, empowering local representatives to be essentially, you know, really the face of the brand, both in the store, which they, you know, can't argue with that, you know, they're, they're interacting with customers, but also being the face of the brand on digital. Yep. And that's where they kind of say, we want our store managers to focus on, quote unquote, running the business, right? As if, talking to customers on social and marketing is not part of running a local business. It sounds like you come down on the, on the other side of that, that that's pretty much fundamental, huh? Yeah. I mean, and a lot of our, our coaches, cause that's, we, we actually renamed our associates coaches cause they're there to help people. Nice. They have, yeah. they, at the end of the day, they're also trainers. They're also nutritionists. They're experts in their field in other ways. And so they engage with many consumers outside of our four walls because they want to be better within our four walls. And so we encourage that as, as much as we can to say, hey, you know, be true to the brand, talk to people, get out there, use social, get excited. And, you know, it goes both ways. We actually leverage them to understand what, what's not working. And they're very vocal to say, hey, I don't like this product or I don't like what you're doing here. And, you know, as a, as a brand guy, sometimes it's hard to say that baby's ugly, but you got to take it in from the associates. and be like, all right, we kind of messed this one up. So... So I love that you refer to your local representatives as coaches. I think that's that's spot on. Did you come up with that? Yeah, I mean, when I, f- when I first joined, I, we did a lot of research to say, what do people think about GNC? And, and a lot of people came back to the 80s and 90s 
when our associates used to wear the red shirts and they were experts in their field and, and they had a lot of insight on the products. And as we started thinking about, you know, that research and how to be distinctive within our brand, that is something we wanted to own. And so we looked back at the training, we looked back at our associates, so we put them back in red shirts. They all wear red shirts again. They have a, they have kind of a uniform. They also referring them to coaches because they're here to, you know, coach you through whatever your wellness goals are. Every either working out or just everyday wellness, or even just, you know, you're worried about COVID and stress and sleep, they can help be your your specific coach to help you get through the day. And and so that's really resonated with our consumers. It's resonated with our associates. And it puts the most important thing about our brand straightforward. I mean, our associates is what leads our brand. They're the people who engage with our consumers on a daily basis. And that's our competitive advantage when you think about the Walmarts and the targets of the world. We have people that are very knowledgeable about this space that can help answer your questions when you walk through the door. Obviously, through COVID, there's been a huge spike in home workouts, home gyms, Peloton, everything. That seems to play very strongly for GNC. But have, have you had to adjust your messaging or your marketing to try to tap into that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this is we started leveraging um, some of our ambassadors that we do have out there in the workout space to really say, how do we create content for the home? And so during the heavier kind of times of the pandemic, our email communication shifted a little bit. It was more about how to work out at home, how to get your workout in, different type of tips and ideas. And we just leveraged a lot of our content that we could produce in-house as well as some ambassadors, as well as some third-party brands that we also sell within GNC, their ambassadors, and just really kind of help people through their daily life because you know, there's people who rely on the gym every day. And when that's taken away from you over the three or four months during the pandemic, we need to find other solves. And not everybody owns a Peloton and not everybody owns a treadmill and not everybody owns a full gym workout in their garage. And so really, how do you give those tips to say, how do you stay healthy every day? Nice. Before GNC, you were CMO for KFC? Was that I was the your... chief digital officer for Chief KFC. digital officer yep. at KFC. And then actually before that, it was Kenmore, Craftsman, and Die Hard, which were under the under the Sears yes. umbrella. What did you take from those roles that you're bringing to GNC today? Yeah, and I think I think that's the key in anybody's you know as as they move through their their resume and their career, it's about what have you learned and and what can you bring to your next role. And you know, I look back at the KFC. What I learned there is is the focus of ease. I mean, at the end of the day, you think about the transition of fast food into delivery, into being able to get your food as fast as possible. You, you used to think the drive-through was fast, but you know that's considered slow to order online and pick up in store. You know, and there's there's different ways that you can create those pain points of the consumer as they go through buying your product and enjoying your product and enjoying the entire experience. Is something that I kind of took away from KFC because they did it really well. And I also, you know, think about how they approach their marketing distinctively, the, the Colonel, owning the Colonel Sanders and making sure that he stands for what the brand represents and bringing that to life and standing out when it is marketing side by side versus the competition. They do a very amazing job of, of bringing the Colonel to life in a distinctive way. And so those are some of the aspects from my, from my KFC days that really bring there. Think about that entire customer journey, how you make it easy as possible. And also through our marketing, how to be distinctive. When you go back to the Sears, Cranmore Craftsman and Die Hard days at Sears, it's almost like I'm reliving that a little bit here because those were private label brands that I was responsible to make them bigger 
And, you know, and so I was part of the group that was tasked with how do you re change a brand that, you know, Craftsman was 85 years, amazing brand. How do you take that from being a private label all about price into being a brand? And it becomes about authentic voice. It's about doing things differently. It's about building those communities and understanding the passion points that your brand connects to. And I had to do that for Kenmore Craftsman and Die Hard. And, and it was an amazing experience on brands. I'm still a heavy woodworker in my part time. I love using Craftsman tools. And it's the same thing here, which is you think about GNC and the amazing product we have. I'm very fortunate to be part of a brand that's tied to passion point. It's about working out. It's about doing a marathon. It's about achieving a goal. And so how do we start creating that authentic content, really building a brand where it's not just about price, it's about providing the best solution for the consumer and what you want to achieve. And that's what GNC really is about, the high quality product that lets you do more. And that's what I kind of took from the Sears days and I'm bringing here and that excitement because I had really good brands at Sears, but I think the brands here between, like I said, we have Beyond Raw, we have Amp, we have Total Lean, we have Mega Man. Those brands alone are $100 million brands. And so each of those have their own little place within the nutrition world and their consumers that, that become part of their lives. And it's just it's fun. Yeah. So this I mean, this show is you know really focused on the, the multi-location aspect yep. of what you do. And do you see that as a specific discipline within marketing, especially how it's evolved over the past 10 years or for you, is it just kind of marketing is marketing and, and it's pretty much the same principles? You know, to me, it's, it's funny because I you mentioned my previous role as a chief digital officer. And so the more I think about the chief digital officer, I just feel like it, that role shouldn't really exist. I just think marketers have to evolve. And I think marketers have to understand all channels and omni channels and understand, you know, how digital plays within your everyday marketing. And I just see marketing as marketing. I don't say this is traditional, this is digital. I more talk about where's my consumer at and what's the best channel to reach them. And then how do I use the marketing principles to talk to them? And I think what's really changed is the ability to actually create new marketing channels. And so you look at all the new ways that people are creating communities, creating enhancement. You look at the brands like Peloton, you look at the, you know, how they have their own community now that they engage with on a daily basis. Those are the things where you think where GNC needs to go is how do we evolve into that every day where it's more than just product. It's really about support and it's about helping the consumer. That's where we need to go as a GNC in the future. I mean, I think some people would say, you know, why do you even have a brick and mortar presence? I mean, you're, ju you're selling products that can be so easily just packed and shipped yeah. that that brick and mortar presence has so much cost involved for something that, Amazon has just completely dominated so many brick and mortar retailers just because of the efficiency of their model. Like, why not just scrap the brick and mortar and go pure e-com? If you look at the entire ecosystem of a brand, there will always be brick and mortar. I mean, at the end of the day, there's an experience of stores that will never be replicated online. And I mentioned our coaches, our coaches and that expertise. You know, you can invest millions to try to replicate that online, but you really can't. At the end of the day, it's about really understanding the consumer at the point of their need and providing a solution. And so that's where our stores have a competitive advantage, even versus other retailers today. And I also think when you think about the growth of digital, stores are going to play a big part of that as you think about ship from store. And you think leveraging those as little DCs to get the consumer to people faster. So at the end of the day, there's always going to be brick and mortar needs. There's always going to be unique solutions. It's just how do you make it more distinctive 
within the in-store experience that gets people to go there. And I think, you know, that's why this balance is always a play. And that's when you look at our strategy, our strategy is to have a stronger balance. We were, I think, a little more skewed towards more stores and less digital. And now we're kind of right-sizing that balance and the business is performing really strong within post-pandemic times. Yeah, it does seem like even some pure online are now, you know, exploring brick and mortar, right, to augment their distribution and their brand. I mean, even Amazon. I mean, it, it's, well, it's bought, yeah, Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody at the end of the day realizes there's a certain need and a timely factor that can never really be meet in certain categories. And, and you think about we talk about that point of sweat and really trying to be there. People are like, oh, I'm out of pre-workout. I want to go work out in the next hour. I don't want to wait. I want to go pick that up on the way to the gym. I want to go get that as as when I go work out and and provide that need. Or hey, I need to get some stuff because I need to sleep tonight. You know, our stuff is really great, high quality, works well, and it's about getting that when you need it. And I think that's where stores will always be. I think relevant within our space. Talk to me about you know actually driving foot traffic and getting people into the stores. How do you think about that in terms of you know using traditional or digital media? How are you measuring the effectiveness of your marketing to drive foot traffic? Yeah, I mean, it all starts with the stores and the window communication. I think, you know, we have Josh Burris, who's who's joined us from his Amber Combi days. He's an amazing retail marketer. And, you know, the ability to say, you know, as we look at our stores, how do our windows make sure even when you're driving by and using our assets to get people in? I mean, before, I think we weren't really connected with what consumers wanted to see and hear and was really relevant to them. Now we're going there. We're really talking about some of the more traffic driving uh, categories, things that are really relevant. You know, right now it's about immunity. And so how do we talk about immunity better in the windows? But then also it's about how you do more of that geolocation, geotargeting messaging based on the consumer needs in various areas. And, and we're doing a lot of that communication because we do have certain products that are more relevant in certain areas. We have certain brands that do stronger in certain regions of the United States. And so the more that we can communicate within around our stores, the better. And so that geo-targeting, the targeted communications, the understanding the loyalty needs of our consumers and bringing them in to our stores, which I say, you know, 80% of our consumers are on a loyalty program. It allows us to really personalize and communicate, uh, communicate with our consumers differently at the local level. So that would take place through like Facebook geo-targeted ads and Facebook geo-targeted. We also really segment our emails really well. So the way we use our even our owned assets within our, our communications, you know, we also free up some of our store space for assortments that are more relevant to certain areas. And I think this is where our franchisees do really well. They know that community really well. And they have, you know, we have those communications of what brands kind of work in what areas and how do you do assort those a little differently based on where the store is at. What's the product mix inside a GNC store of GNC branded or owned brands and third party? I won't give you specific numbers. I don't know if we even report the specific numbers, but <laughs> but at the end of the day, we are over 50% of, of our own products. And, okay. and it's it's I will tell you what makes it an exciting time to be part of GNC is our products are actually better than third party. Our products are better. We're not a private label that is like, oh, we're all about price. We're about, we bring exclusive ingredients to the table. We have ingredients like, you know, Slim Vance. We have ingredients like Myotor we're just rolling out right now, which makes you faster, stronger, and is clinically proven. We have a whole science team here that actually looks for three years out of an ingredients, and we are the first ones to bring these ingredients to market. And if you look at our ability to even bring first to market third party, 
a lot of brands got their start within GNC, like, you know, the Bang Energies of the world, the One Bars, the Quest Bars, Cellucor, C4, they all started within GNC. That's where they all got their start and they all developed their, you know, their third, they were third party brands that got here and started building who they were and what their solution was. And it seems like GNC is the one place that if you're, you know, to get that check mark that you're a healthy brand and you're the right solution for consumers, you got to get that check mark from GNC first. And it's kind of been a proven roadmap for a lot of third party brands out there as well. So, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. It does, it does like direct to consumer brands is obviously all the rage right now, but GNC seems like it was well ahead of the curve on that one, huh? It, it is. And, and it's a direct to consumer brands. It is, it's a growing opportunity, but it goes back to that expertise is, is we do, you know, we do check the third party ingredients that come in. We do want to make sure that the environment is safe for our consumers. And so we get that little, you get that little check mark that, Hey, you got into GNC stores. It kind of elevates a, any brand to say, Hey, I'm, I kind of arrived. And we've seen that repeatedly over the years. And even since a year and a half, I've been here, a lot of third party brands, once they get into our store, have kind of reached new heights. Nice. Anything else you want to, you feel like we should cover like traditional spend versus digital spend? Yeah. When I talk, you know, when I talk about, you know, our marketing and how we're approaching our marketing, we're going to be where the consumer's at. And so I don't look at traditional, I don't look at digital. I look at where is the consumer and what's the best channel to reach our consumer and what makes us unique is we have such a wide range of solutions. Like I said, from sleep, stress, everyday workout, the fitness, to everyday vitamins, people have different needs. And so we find that we're able to do a lot more and reach a lot more people at the right time when they need it via digital. So we lean a little bit more digital than we do in the traditional kind of TV execution. So you're going to see more of that from us. And it's about how you leverage these new channels effectively and how you leverage but even when I say digital, it's it's more digital TV. It's still on that same device TV, but digital TV is changing. And sure. so to us, you know, that's considered digital marketing in, in some channels. And that's where I think it's more about what is the avenue? How are people engaging? And then how do you get your brand in front of the most people, reach the most people in the day? So well, let's talk a little bit about Google in particular, because you know, you've got all these topics and things that that you're marketing you know, like sleep or diet or, you know, a lot of general terms that people obviously would be, you know, searching for on Google, whether to look for an e-commerce option or to look for a local store where they could go buy it. What role does Google play in your strategy? I mean, it, like every retailer, it's a big part of our strategy. And I think ultimately as a marketer, I want them to think, I want the consumer to think GNC then stress. And I want them to say, GNC with sleep. And those are the ways that I can make very things a lot of cost effective and I can win because, you know, so it's that balance between making sure people recognize why GNC. That's where a lot of our marketing is is leading and making sure people put GNC in front of looking for what they're looking for. But as once you get into the more generic terms, it is a battle because you have certain brands and certain retailers that put all their money against it. And it is understanding that ROI and the return and the acquisition. And the analytics, it's the science behind marketing. And that's what Google's really kind of changed today. It's understanding that science a little bit. And it's fun. Every single week when you start thinking about how to how to evolve your partnership with Google, how to do more, I and mean, we talk to them on a weekly basis. And the science is the fun part of marketing, I think, that's changing on a weekly basis every day. So. And so what part of 
that discussion with Google focuses around foot traffic and driving it, measuring it through things like clicks to call, clicks for directions. Are you monitoring those as as yep. major KPIs? Yes, we are. We are looking at foot store traffic, how Google impacts that store traffic. How do we actually correctly measure it? And so is it really driven by the Google execution or some other marketing? It is helps us with our loyalty programs. So this is where, because we have a large loyalty program base, we're able to track things a little bit better of where people first engage and where they kind of come from and where we acquire them from into their purchase habits. But yes, measuring the store performance of our marketing in Google is key. And so the more that we can find, you know, the, the search near me or, or near me function on Google is is really key in being able to drive people to your store. And, and we know that drives significant traffic when we have the right message to the right customer. And you've been seeing that go up kind of like year over year. Yes, correct. Yeah, they've, they've just been dominating that. Yep. Let's, uh, let's shift the conversation a little bit to some career advice for other marketers. So talking to somebody in a junior role at a multi-location brand who one day, you know, aspires to lead marketing for a KFC or a GNC, what advice are you giving them today? The, the advice I give, it's funny because I, I got my career start in uh, sales. I was a, I worked for Nestle Prina and I sold dog food. And, you know, I sold a lot of dog food because I called on the PetSmart account. So calling on PetSmart and selling dog food is like, you know, selling candy at Halloween. It's kind of like, hey, I got it. But it, it's really everything ties back to consumer. And it's it's really about how do you get to the inside of the consumer? You know, I was trained really early is always asked like three or four whys. Like, why does this matter? And eventually you get to the real point of why the consumer is making the decision. And the other thing is find good mentors. You know, at the end of the day, I've had really good mentors throughout my career and they bring me a lot of good advice. And then the the final thing is try to work in something you love. I mean, I will tell you work is work and you spend a lot of hours doing it. But if you're in areas, I've been very fortunate. You know, you look at my career. I I said I worked at, at Prina. I love dogs. I worked at Kenmore Craftsman Die Hard. I was a woodworker. I worked at Reebok. I love shoes. I worked at KFC. I have eaten my fair share of, of fast food and chicken, and I love that. And now I'm at GNC, and I was an ex-college athlete, and I, I grew up taking GNC. And I think everything's a little easier when you've grown up with it or you've experienced it and you have a passion for it. And I've been very fortunate to kind of follow that path in my career. And it, it's one of the decision points I have when when I'm thinking about where I want to work or where I want to go is am I passionate about it? Talk about your your leadership philosophy and and how you recruit, empower, and retain a high performance team. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the first thing I look for is passion. I mean, it's it's really I've I through my career I've hired people that may have not been the most experienced, but they had passion for the business and they were excited for the business. And, and I don't. It's almost in my basketball days they said you can't teach height, you can't teach passion. And if someone really loves something, they'll take the time to learn and be better at it. And I really look at that when I'm talking to people and I'm interviewing people and, and I, I'll more often give chances to people. I'm My leadership style is I want my team to have ownership in what's executed. I don't want to micromanage. I want to help set the strategy. I want to help build, break down walls. I want to make the tough decisions. So if it fails, it's my responsibility. And that's where I'm at at the end of the day. I, but I want my team to be the ones to have ownership and everything and enjoy coming to work every day. I mean, yeah, think about it. We spend more time at work than we do with our family sometime and, and we got to enjoy it. And this is like a family and you got to enjoy who you work for. You got to enjoy who you work with and you got to 
have passion for the business. And if you got all those things, it, it, it kind of makes it easier to spend as much time as we do at work. You know, COVID has kind of changed some of that and more people are spending time with their families. And I think it's a mix of some people are like, I wish I could go to the office more. But I know my wife wishes I went to the office a little more now. Yeah, like, same here. Way too much. I hear you talking about PNC way too much. But my thing is, my leadership style is I, I just want to work with people that I learn from. I want to work from people. I want to grow. And I think everybody has an amazing opinion. And I think it's about just listening to those people and giving them ownership of the business. Do you think there's a, a fundamental difference between leading and managing? Yeah, there is. I think leading is sometimes able to take a back seat. I think sometimes leading is able to make those tough decisions, but also empower the team to lead themselves. And to me, when you say the word managing, I almost I almost feel like you're telling people what to do and you're setting all the rules and you're setting all the guardrails. And I want to be seen more as a leader than a manager. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've been I've been thinking about that topic actually a lot lately and uh, thinking in my career about different times when I've been led or been managed. And it, it really does feel like such a stark well, difference and like almost like that managing and micromanaging are actually the same thing. Yep. And it, it's, it's funny. I always look at, I've always seen that picture and we've all seen it online where you see the wolf pack and then you see the last wolf at the very end. And that's actually, that is actually the leader of the pack. He's last in line because he's protecting the ones that are falling behind. And he's the one who's actually leading from behind. He's pushing the, the group and, and all the wolves forward. And I think that's kind of what a leader is. The leader knows who's struggling, knows who's helped and there to help them, not tell them what to do, but how do you inspire them? How do you push them? How do you get them to go in the strategy that is set by the organization? And that's what a real leader is. And hopefully I can aspire to even be half as good as some of the leaders I've had in my uh, career. That's great. And this is going to become a, a consistent topic on the show, just that it, this is the kind of first time I, I've brought it up. But talking to marketing leaders who are leaders, I think it's 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 a really good thing to kind of get out there and especially for younger people, again, like, you know, marketing managers to be conscious of, of whether or not they're being managed or led. Yep. And, I, and, and the thing to add to it, kind of full circle to your earlier questions, when you, you were saying, what have I learned from my previous experiences? My sister's the head of marketing for Arizona State. And so I teach one class at her classes every year. And I kind of just talk about what I've learned and what I've done. And that's the feedback I give to, to up and coming marketers is no matter what your job is, you're going to learn something. It's either going to be something you should do or something you shouldn't do. And just make sure you note it down. Make sure you learn from it. And at the end of the day, not every job is going to be perfect, but it's what you take away from what you learned and use it in your next job that's key. Yeah, I've certainly right. learned. I think I've learned. I mean, you really only learn from your failures. You know, yeah. your successes you don't learn from because they were successes, right? <laughs> You just keep doing that just until it becomes a failure. <laughs> exactly. Then you learn, right? Yep. Yeah. Let's wrap things up with a lightning round. Talk about a couple different key topics in marketing. Just just quick thoughts here. Agencies. Yeah. Love them and hate them all at the same time. So, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we do, we actually have our own internal creative team and that's mainly for speed. And because we are in the field of, of science and, and FDA and we have a lot of rules that we have to follow. So, we do have our internal team. There's a lot of a creative, but I also think that leverage agencies for creativeness and being able to take best practices from other industries, because when you have your own internal agency, you kind of get just focused on here's what the supplement space is doing. And I, I like agencies that they bring fresh ideas and fresh perspectives of here's what the car industry is doing. Here's what, you know, here's what another CPG company is doing. 
And you start saying, okay, how does that tie to our business and our space and how can we leverage it? And so it's that balance of, we, we have agencies, we do not have an agency of record. I have agencies of skill sets. I have agencies that are great at creating content. I have agencies that are great in creating ideas. And we kind of, I would say an agile agency network is kind of what we're approaching at right now because it allows me to flex up and down based on kind of what's going on in the market. But the day-to-day stuff is mainly run from our internal group here. And then one more, let's talk about uh, customer journey. The ever-changing customer journey. I think the thing about customer journey is it is ever-changing and it's about making sure that you're on the pulse because right when you get it right, it changes again. And I think with the digital space and the speed of technology and the speed of information today through social and digital and how people are engaging on digital channels, it's changing that journey constantly. And so this isn't something that you do research on. You go, I got our customer journey. Let's go. It is, I got my customer journey today. What's it going to be tomorrow? And you have to keep evolving that customer journey and trying to be on the, what is impacting that change and and how you stay on top of it. It's funny because, for example, I don't think the music industry thought that TikTok would impact as much as the music scene as it has. Like half the top songs on the music top 10 list are from TikTok. They're all being driven by that push. And like that happened overnight where now you listen to the radio and you're like, oh, those are all TikTok songs right now. It's inspired by dances and community and how people are engaging with it. And it's just, that's how the journey changes. That's a great example. Yeah, it really is. My wife gets annoyed at me because I listen to like music. I go, oh, yeah, that's from TikTok. Oh, that, that one's that one's from TikTok. She's like, how often are you on TikTok? I go, it's marketing. I got to understand what's going on. And I go, it's impacting culture. It is literally impacting culture before our eyes in a way that I don't think a lot of people thought was until the until the pandemic. And all of a sudden it's now impacting every part of the media we see. What is an influencer today is different than it was even a year ago. So it's it's interesting. Well, you just you just hit on uh, influencer marketing and TikTok. So actually, we got four uh, <laughs> topics out of that one. That's great. All right. Well, Ryan Ostrom, thanks so much for joining us on Clicks to Bricks. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it on LinkedIn and to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also. You can sign up for our newsletter at clickstobricks.fm for exclusive content and previews of upcoming shows. I'm your host, Rob Reed, and this is Clicks to Bricks, a podcast about multi-location marketing. Mm-hmm.